Welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham, a business journalist who's been covering M&A for a decade. In this episode, we're looking at the collapse of a bid by Taiwanese company Global Wafers for German chip supplier Siltronic. We'll find out how that deal's failure is reflective of a toughening stance by Germany on foreign investment. I'm joined by Francesca Micheletti, Deputy Bureau Chief for Par and Deal Reporter, and Jacob Parry, Senior Reporter for Par and Deal Reporter, who are both based in Brussels. Hi, Francesca. Hi, Jacob. Thank you for joining me. Hello. Hello. So to begin with, can you give us an overview of this deal, please, Jacob? So in late 2020, Global Wafers, which is a Taiwan-based manufacturer of semiconductor components, announced that it had launched a tender offer to acquire Siltronic, which is a producer of ultra-pure silicon wafers based in Germany. When the deal was announced, they gave the transaction a long timeline, uh, setting the, the long stop date in early 2022, expecting that it would receive heavy scrutiny in China and Germany in particular. Of course, uh, a year later, we're in a very different place and now the deal is no more. And Jacob, can you explain what went wrong with this deal and why the German government has thwarted it? So this deal came at a particularly interesting time for the semiconductor sector as we saw the a rise in a chip shortage throughout Europe that hit some sectors that are particularly important to the German economy, like automotive. It also came as there was a change in government in Germany that uh, was elected in the fall of 2021 that to an extent meant there was new leadership at the ministry responsible for looking at this transaction. In terms of the review itself, on substance, a review by the federal ministry is only supposed to last for two months for a short review and then four months for an extended review. But in this case, it went quite a bit longer. There were a variety of stop the clocks as the German government asked for more information. And these continued into the fall of 2021. There were some slivers of hope, maybe midway through the transaction as similar deals. Well, one such example is Renesis's acquisition of Dialog. In that case, it was a Japanese buyer purchasing a German semiconductor company that uh, also makes chips or also produces uh, chip technology that in that case for the automotive sector was cleared. However, by late 2021, it became evident that it was not going to receive approval on time. And in December, as court documents revealed, the German government stopped the clock asking the parties to provide more information in particular on the remedies that had been agreed in China. Eventually, in late January, the Chinese State Administration for Market Regulation issued its clearance decision and Uh, The parties provided a copy of the remedies to the German government with a week to go. But alas, that was not sufficient to garner the German government's approval. And on the 31st of January, the deal deadline lapsed. And Francesca, coming to you, why did the German government care about this deal? 
Were there national security reasons? We know that microchip semiconductors, there is a a shortage of them and they're increasingly being seen as like a really strategic business. Yes. So this uh, deal review shows exactly how broad national security can go. If in in the past we're uh, used to thinking about national security as something to do with military technology or defense, uh, in this case, quite clearly, national security was intended by the German government as security of supply, supply of key components, uh, semiconductors for its, uh, uh, for a key industry, its car industry. So this shows uh, uh, that nowadays, FDI scrutiny can really be very broad in terms of sectors uh, and that governments really can um, can scrutinize anything that they feel impacts uh, key industries, for example. Obviously, officials have been saying that uh, national security does not have a tight definition. And this is true not only for Germany, but also, for example, for the UK. It is in the nature of the beast to be to be that way because governments need to have ample margin of uh, of action when they feel that an investor could be harming their uh, national assets. If anything, however, this uh, um, throws uh, more uncertainty on upcoming reviews under foreign direct investment. Uh, considerations. One thing I may add is that uh, recently there were some parliamentary questions uh, in Germany around the deal and it was confirmed actually that that Germany was really focusing on the fact that the deal would have impacted a key input for its strategic industry. And I guess technology is changing what national security means. Definitely and when deal makers look at German targets, it has to be taken into account that it's not just the traditional sectors like military or inputs that the military uses that are scrutinized, really any industry that is now covered by the German legislation. And that covers everything from artificial intelligence to chip manufacturing could potentially fall foul of the German government's review. And if it's on paper that it could potentially be subject to a review, it seems to be a given at this point that the German government could go all the way in that review. And you covered some of it there, Jacob, but what does it mean for the future of deals involving German targets? Will foreign buyers be take a more cautious approach next time? I think there's sort of two aspects to keep in mind. And, and one interesting one that's come up in this procedure is deal timelines. What we've seen in this transaction and in others is that the reviews conducted by the ministry can really drag on even be- beyond the statutory deadlines that are laid out in the German legislation. And this is in particular a contrast to merger control, where both the parties and the regulators have a very good sense of what the deadlines are on a particular deal and how to meet those deadlines. I think one aspect that's come under scrutiny is the German ministry's ability and power to stop the clock. It is very far-reaching and wide powers to be able to do that. And as we saw in this instance, it's not scared of stopping the clock and letting a, a deal collapse. I think another aspect that's quite interesting is has to do with where a buyer comes from. I think we've become used to, in recent years, the German government and other European governments taking heavy scrutiny of buyers from mainland China, in particular, if they are connected to the state in some way. I think in the case of this deal and similar deals that we've seen come under review in Germany ever since, 
It really doesn't matter where the buyer comes from. That might matter at the end of the day, but during the course of the government's review, it will look seriously at a buyer that comes from Taiwan, a buyer that comes from the United States, a buyer that comes from elsewhere in the world. I think a good example of this is is another acquisition that we're looking at that involves two telecom suppliers, um, Adtran, which is an American company, and Adva, that is a German company. Here, the two are looking to combine, and this transaction, which again involves an American buyer, is currently in phase two proceedings in Germany. So that really shows that in terms of where a buyer comes from, it doesn't matter anymore if they're looking at a sensitive sector. The German government's willing to take a very close look at it. And you're talking about this stop the clock and the timeline. How will advisors approach things differently in light of this deal falling through? I think what we're seeing already is longer deal timelines and a lot of uncertainty is built in. And sometimes the language around when an approval might come through is is definitely uh, different than it would have been a few years ago. Often we can see the BMWK, which is the acronym for the Federal Ministry of Economic Affairs and Climate, where you can see that them being the last jurisdiction to come through on on approvals. So I think that's something that definitely is being taken into account and that's something that's top of mind for dealmakers in Germany. And Francesca, coming back to you, is Germany alone in taking a more vigilant approach to foreign direct investment screening? What about it is European peers? No, definitely Germany is not alone. And what Germany is following is a very popular trend at the moment. So you, you, you see a global, I'd say, toughening of FDI screening regimes with a particular focus on Europe. So European Union set up and uh, started enforcing its own FDI coordination mechanism a little more than a year ago. And the European Commission is uh, actively encouraging member states to set up their own FDI screening regimes. Many European member states, including Germany, France, Italy, and the UK, have broadened the list of sectors they can scrutinize. The UK in particular um, introduced this year the National Security and Investment Act, which provides for mandatory notification in 17 sectors. The UK is an interesting example, obviously outside the EU, but still in Europe, as it is currently scrutinized two deals uh, in the aerospace and defense sector. Uh, One is Ultra and Cobham, and the other one is Megit Parker-Hannifin. Uh, these two deals are under the spotlight uh, because they are considered to be a test case for uh, for the UK's potentially new stance, new tougher stance against uh, foreign direct investment. Italy and Spain, for example, to mention other examples, have extended the uh, emergency measures that they had put in place during the pandemic to avoid uh, um, uh, to avoid uh, the impact uh, any on investment um, on uh, on strategic assets. Uh, they extended these measures this year, although uh, we are some may argue we are past the emergency stage. Uh, Italy has become very active. It has recently blocked uh, a deal in the agrotech sector, in the seed production sector, which is something unprecedented and really shows how wide uh, the net of uh, national governments is going. And what's prompted this kind of change in tone? Is it part of a wider global trend as a result of the pandemic, as the result of 
logistical challenges globally? I think the pandemic was definitely a crystallizing moment for a lot of member states within the EU and for the European Commission in particular. And we saw a whole host of member states look to both lower the threshold at which they require a notification, in some cases as below as 10% of control, but then also to have an expanded look at sectors all the way from healthcare to technology as ones being where there what that merit particular scrutiny. Of course, this has been going on for a few years and we have to look as well to the FDI regulation, which set at the EU level a procedure whereby all EU member states could coordinate and hopefully bring some level of harmonization in terms of how their FDI control procedures are conducted. I think as we look forward, there are still member states who are yet to introduce FDI control procedures who are on the way to doing so. Some of them who have been very friendly to inbound investment, countries like Sweden, Ireland, Belgium, and the Netherlands. I think also, as Francesca mentioned, it's not just EU member states. The UK is obviously going to be looking towards inbound investment involving UK targets very heavily. Even Switzerland is now currently considering its own legislation that would cover Swiss targets acquired by foreign companies. So there's really been a change in the climate. Some of it's been a few years coming because of whether it's industrial policy concerns about China or perhaps even a increased political concern about ownership and who owns what in the national economy. But the pandemic definitely was a moment that changed and as we see now, perhaps even changed permanently how EU member states and European countries look at inbound investment. And Francesco, any final thoughts? Well, I think FDI has certainly become a prominent uh, item on the deal uh, risk list and uh, advisors are very much aware of it. So I think uh, we will be seeing more and more uh, reviews, some high profile, some will be just uh, uh, precautionary filings, but certainly um, this has changed the deal language. Great, Francesca and Jacob, thanks very much. That was Francesca Micheletti and Jacob Parry. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dealcast presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or look out for your Merger Market News Alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.